The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellich. Today, we'll share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. Each week on the show, we will respond to a listener question or comment, so please let us know what's on your mind, because we'd really love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, Snares Along the Path. The lure of prestige has been the downfall of many on the recovery journey. We can get to feeling so good about ourselves that we fall into that old trap of wanting to be seen as, quote, the number one man or woman in the eyes of others. But how can we remain true to our purpose and avoid this trap of pride? Can we practice humility without feeling humiliated? Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on staying in integrity on the recovery journey and how humility helps us avoid what we might call the, quote, desire to look good doing it, also known as vanity. So we'll begin today by sharing our experiences with that vanity and that concern with looking good. Then we'll move into the solution of the power of humility. And after the break, we'll share exactly or more specifically how that power of humility helped us in our recovery path to move from vanity to integrity. So Dan, tell us about... I'm sorry, today's show is going to make me laugh a lot. Tell tell (laughs) us about what that vanity, that concern with looking good, what that has been like or was like for you. I I don't know anything about that. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Totally foreign topic to me. That's both of us now. (laughs) Um, So what comes to mind is is that it it is, uh, you know, like so many, so much of our experience for those of us in recovery, it's based on fear and it's just, I feel like I'm just overly concerned with myself. Like, am I okay? Do I look stupid? I don't want to look stupid. You know, I want to look at, and it's all that just so much attention on my own situation. How am I doing? How am I going to do this? And me and I and blah, blah, blah. It's just yet another way uh, that, um, that, that, that fear 
of just being in the world. That's how I think of it, that that fear shows up in my experience. You know, just like uh, when when we are um, injured or sick, it's it's it, it makes perfect sense and it's right and good that our focus turns within. That is absolutely necessary for healing. But when my focus is within most of the time anyway, then that's not really uh, the way that I want to be showing up in the world. Right. There's nothing wrong with uh, focus on self. It, it, just like everything else that we talk about, it always seems to come back to balance. Well, you know, I was pretty far out of balance. And, and, and again, we always say this, but um, I didn't realize that that was true until I began to come into more balance over time. And it wasn't, it wasn't because I really thought I was so great. It's right. that I was just so worried that I wasn't, uh, but this intense focus on self. So when I think about what, what did, uh, you know, vanity or lack of humility look like for me? Well, it looked like being overly concerned with myself straight out of the fear that yeah. I carry in life. I like that you mentioned um, that that's a natural thing, that inward focus when we're sick, because of course, when we come into recovery, we are sort of sick. We've been sick. And so um, I, you know, I talk a lot about this, but I think that that self-centeredness that, and it's beyond self-centeredness. It's like a self-preoccupation, right? It's not a self-centeredness. Like I think I'm so great like you were just saying, it's more of a preoccupation with self. And I feel like it's a trauma response. It's a way that we have responded to, you know, whatever the sickness that we had going. Um, and so the problem is, is that, and we talked about this before that, you know, this is a selfish program, selfish in the sense that we need to be focused on ourselves and our own healing, especially at the beginning, and that it's an inside job. It's all about our inner work. But over time, that should begin to shift as we get healthier, as we um, grow in recovery and gain more sobriety, then that that um, focus on self can begin to be replaced little by little with more of a focus on others and helping others and being of service to others. But it's a very delicate balance. Like we talked about last week, too. We don't want to go overboard in service to others at the beginning when we need to be taking care of ourselves. But we don't want to stay only thinking about ourselves forever and ever either. So it's it's a balance. It, it really is. And, and, you know, I think that what you just described is true for every situation that um, is a matter of balance, which, you know, the the longer I'm on this planet, the more it seems to me that that pretty much applies to everything, as far as I can tell, that yes, we don't want to go, you know, each each side of the river, so to speak, is good and fine. There's nothing wrong with it. What Where I get into trouble is if I'm hyper-focused or I'm always in on one extreme or the other. Um okay. You know, my uh, dear friend defined uh, balance as that midpoint that I go flying past on my way from one extreme <laughs> to the other. And that and it takes it does take time. And uh, it's a it's a certain kind of skill. It seems to me it, that it is in, in order to, you know, to know where that balance is and to realize, well, you know, how how am I out of balance? And so do I have any tools that can help me along the way? Um, another thing that comes to mind 
when I think about a, a lack of humility or vanity that we're calling is that it's it's based on this just sort of incessant comparing, you know, oh, comparing, yes. comparing. I had a sponsor early on um, tell me that nothing good ever comes out of us comparing. Yeah. And so that's something that we want to watch for yes. in ourselves and, you know, find other things to do. You know, our mind, we get in habits, our our mind has grooves or, you know, they used to be grooves and they turn into ruts if we stay there long enough. And comparing can be one unskillful use of mind. Yes. And the first thing that I need to do if I want to uh, be otherwise is to recognize, just literally just become aware of when I'm doing it. And yes. just that awareness begins to sort of, you know, feels like it kind of slowly opens a door to other ways of being. And so, you know, comparing, comparing, comparing. If my mind is running around comparing myself to every other person or my situation to every other person's situation, then that is inherently a, a self-centered way of being. You yeah. know, and that is a kind of uh, vanity because I am, in effect, just staring in the mirror all the time. <laughs> Now, not because I think I'm so great, but because I'm so worried that maybe I'm not, but yes. it doesn't matter. I'm still staring in the mirror the whole time. Yeah. So I love that you talked about that comparing. And I, I love this phrase um, that it's an unskillful use of mind. Yes. It's a great way of putting it. It's like we have that power. That's just not a good way for us to use it. <laughs> and social media certainly um, is not helping us in terms of the comparing. You know, it's kind of all about comparing. Um, so I call it the over under right? The comparing is like, I'm comparing to see whether I'm either better than you or not as good as you. <laughs> That's right. Score is always a number. Right? It's the over-under. And be, there's never equal because that's kind of not the nature of comparing. And so whenever we're in that comparing mode, we're either going to be feeling that we don't measure up or we're going to be feeling that we're better than. So that's that's what, you know, came to my mind when I was thinking about vanity. And, you know, and I've said this a lot of times. I'm an Enneagram 3, okay? I'm the picture of vanity <laughs> because, you know, and if you know about the Enneagram, it's about what our deepest motivation is. And my deepest motivation as an Enneagram 3 is to get the approval of others in order to have a sense of my own self-worth. So I can know that that's a part of my nature and I can also, you know, be, like you said, be aware of it, be mindful of it. Um, I can, you know, work to change it to a certain extent, but just knowing. So what's helpful about the Enneagram is just knowing that that's my personality type and that that's an issue that I have helps me to be more aware of it so that I can work on it. But yeah, it's that, it's that wanting to look good. You know, I want everybody to think that I'm smart and, you know, wise and, and then, you know, we have our own version of um, vanity in 12-step recovery, which, you know, tends to be like how much time you have or how many people you sponsor. Oh, or... man, it never ends. <laughs> I know, it's pretty funny. There's a couple scores right there. It always comes down, like, to a number. What yeah. level are you? Yeah, exactly. How long have you been sober? Right, oh, exactly. How many people have you become you an old-timer? Right. You know, and... and 
Yeah, and that doesn't mean that we discount our own experience or the wisdom that we've gained over the years, because hopefully over, you know, many years strung together, we have gotten a, a certain amount of wisdom under our belt. But um, yeah, it needs to be checking, constantly checking that, um, that sense of self and that vanity around that. Yeah, vanity almost could be described as a, you know, an, an, an exaggerated um, uh, focus on on self, like we're describing. And I love that you talked about the Enneagram. It's one of my favorite spiritual tools. And so for, for me, as an Enneagram 5, and I had even jotted this down on my notes before the show, one of the elements of the Enneagram 5 is uh, a fear of not being capable. And so we definitely want to be capable and to appear as capable and be seen as capable. And so uh, one way that vanity can show up for me uh, is uh, an over-focus on, on wanting to, it's not the same as look good. It's, it's look, um, uh, I don't know, maybe capable is the best word. Like I can do it. I understand that how this yeah. works. I know how stuff works. I'm the, I'm, I'm someone who gets it. And if I'm hyper-focused on that because I'm afraid of not being that, then that's a way that I can easily get out of balance. And again, like you're saying, the Enneagram is such a powerful tool because it really, you know, it has my number, so to speak. Yeah. Can I just give a little quick plug? If, if yeah. people listening are interested in the Enneagram, um, I know that Unity is offering a spiritual explorers course right now on yes. the Enneagram that can be done completely on your computer. I think it's a self-paced course. And I believe for the month of April, which I think we got a couple more days left in April, um, those spiritual explorers classes are being offered for free. So if you're interested in the Enneagram, now's a great time to check it out. It's a wonderful tool for understanding yourself as well as others. I agree. And thank you for mentioning that. I had forgotten about the Spiritual Explorer classes and how they're free this month. And so, yes, if you want a refresher or maybe you want to understand what we're talking about uh, with the Enneagram, it is the most powerful spiritual growth tool that I've encountered on, on my journey. So let me just say that. But let's switch gears now that we know about this challenge of vanity or concern with looking good, what is the solution? Well, as always in unity, we affirm um, that all of life is governed by spiritual principles, and we have five basic principles that we feel govern all of life. Yes, and our second unity principle, unity principle states that human beings are all created in the image and likeness of God, and therefore we are all of equal value and equal worth. In fact, Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore shared, in, and you can find this in the revealing word, that non-resistance and humility are the first step in overcoming error, or what we call error thought. And yes. humility is what we want to focus on today. But what does humility look like? You know, how does one going go about uh, becoming humble, or how do I know what my motivation is, you know, am I, am I doing something truly for others or am I doing it just to look good? You know, these are the kinds of questions that can come to mind as we consider um, humility and where we are with that. So Michelle, when you think about humility, what does that mean to you when you hear that? Well, first of all, I just have to acknowledge the universe for its brilliant use of irony in having me on the radio talking about humility. <laughs> 
Go universe. Well played. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's pretty funny, but, um, you know, I mean, so, so the second principle, you know, that we're all equal. I mean, basically what that means is that that power in the universe, that one power and one presence that we often call God, that power loves me exactly as much as it loves you and as it loves everyone else. Um, we sometimes say that we are children of God and, you know, just that sense that we have, um, we are expressions of that one. And so what that means is that I am not any better or any worse than you, and I don't need to be any better or any worse than you. And if you've been around recovery rooms for a while, you've probably heard the saying, you know, just be, well, they probably use the male pronoun, just be a man among men, or just be, you know, just be a person among people, just be one of the bunch. So, you know, we come into recovery and we bring our personalities with us, right? So if I'm in my regular life, I'm a leader or I'm somebody that kind of likes to be the center of attention, I'm gonna come into recovery and I'm gonna try and act like that too, right? I'm gonna wanna be in charge of things or be up, you know, be a speaker, be up in front of people, whatever. So, um, you know, just in recovery, learning to just be one of the group. I don't have to be the center of attention. I don't have to be the one with the most sobriety in the room. I don't have to be the wisest one. I don't have to have the most sponsees, whatever it is, you know, I can just be one of the group, just a member of the group. And that may sound really basic for a lot of people, but for a lot of us, it's not, it's a concept. It's like, wow, (laughs) you know, it was a novel concept to me because I was taught to always strive and try to be the best and always, you know, trying to achieve. So this concept of just being one of the bunch was very, um, felt very counterintuitive to me at first. And it's taken me a long time to, um, you know, even begin to grasp what that means. It helps me when I think about humility and what that is to think of it as the, as the opposite of arrogance, right? Arrogance is the, is the way of being that says, you know, my skills or my possessions or my position in the world, my title, my job, whatever it might be, make me a more important person than somebody yeah. else is. And humility is the idea that, no, that's not the case at all. In fact, it's not relevant um, what skills I have, what experiences, what possessions, what, you know, titles, social status or whatever. N- none of that makes me any better or any worse than anyone else. And truly, we are all equal. And so humility as sort of the opposite of arrogance. And like you're saying, and that's one of my favorite phrases, one of the bunch, just be one of the bunch. I might be sitting in a recovery community meeting and uh, looking around thinking, you know, I have wisdom to offer and so does everyone else. And my wisdom is no more valuable than theirs. And theirs is no more valuable than mine. Because my fear, you know, my fear oriented comparing mind is always trying to figure out, am I, am I above or below? Like you were saying, am I, am I better than or worse than? Do I know more or I don't know as much as, and that's exhausting. It's exhausting. And uh, so humility is the opposite of sitting there with the comparator on, you know, ranking everything, giving everything a score. Right. It's like we're dogs in a pack, you know, trying to rank ourselves where we rank within the pack. You know, it must be some sort of instinct. I'm sure it has an instinctual basis, but we can learn to overcome that. 
So if we are all truly equal, then the next logical extension of that is that we all deserve the same. You know, I've seen this meme go around on Facebook. Um, it says something, it, you know, has a very poor child, obviously a child in a famine area of the world. And it says something about the idea that some of us, some of our lives are more important than others is the basis of all problems in the world, you know? And so I think it can be difficult for us in, um, in a first world country in the United States in particular to really grasp what that means, especially, you know, in the context of what we're going through right now, you know, the idea that um, our, our own need for, you know, whatever it is, oil or economic security or military power, whatever it is that it's more important than the well-being of other folks on the planet. And even the idea that my well-being or my interests as a human being are more important than that of other beings on the planet. Um, it is kind of the source of most of our problems, you know, and it can be very hard and as, um, you know, people living in a first world country to even grasp what that means, especially if, you know, a person hasn't traveled or ever seen anything different, ever seen that the rest of the world does not live the way the United States does, you know, or the way the first world does. Um, so, yeah, so we all have an equal right to, you know, to clean air, to clean water, to enough food, to shelter, to a decent chance at a happy life, the ability to um, express ourselves and have meaningful work and have a family. We all have that inherent right. And it's time that we make our world start to reflect that a little bit more. You know, a way that I, I really appreciate that unity expresses that. And I had jotted a note about humility as seeing the inherent value in all people. And, and you know, I have now that we've been talking about it, I have to add an equal value. I mean, I could see the value in all people, but my value is a bigger number than their value, blah, blah, blah. I mean, see the inherent value in all people as the same. And we might call that or tie that to the idea of seeing the Christ in all people, yes. you know, seeing the God essence seeing the divine spark. There are so many ways that this idea has been expressed, but in unity, we will often express it as, I, you know, the, the Christ in me honors and sees the Christ in you. We are making one another equal because we are equally divine, you know, That's equally right. holy, equally uh, deserving, uh, valuable, uh, important, or whatever it might be. And so seeing the value in all people is uh, one thing that comes to mind when I think about what does humility look like. And we can do that in unity by even making a practice, even like a game, out of this thing we call seeing the Christ in others. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting on my soapbox a little bit, but um, maybe that's okay. I think it, it, I feel like it's really easy for us to give lip service to the idea that we're all equal. But when it comes to me giving up something that I want in order that others might have the same or that others might have enough, um, that's a whole other matter, you know, and we're looking at our world really changing right now with everything that's happening. And, um, you know, am I willing to give up some of the conveniences of modern life that I have so that the planet might survive or so that folks on the other side of the world might have enough food, enough shelter, enough water, whatever it is. 
Um, it's sort of that putting our money where our mouth is, you know, it's very easy to say that we're all equal, but are we willing to put policies and practices in place that reflect that? So, you know, that, that vanity, the way it looks in my life to come back to me and myself um, is, is like an over concern with getting mine. And again, it is a self-centered thing, but I feel that it is trauma response based, you know, somewhere along the line, I didn't feel like I was safe. I didn't feel like I was going to get mine. I didn't feel like I was going to get enough, um, probably in very early childhood, you know? And so therefore I became, um, sort of obsessed with making sure that I got mine. So for me to overcome that and strive for humility, I really have to make an effort. I have to be reminded again and again, you know, that's just, I'm just telling you straight up. That's the truth. You know, after many, many years, I have to keep remembering it's not all about me. Um, and what a relief. Thank God. It's not all about me. Because, <laughs> yeah. Geez, man, it's that, exhausting. It's exhausting. It's boring. It's not a good look, <laughs> it's not a good look. <laughs> you know? So thank God that we have a program that keeps reminding us that we don't have to be the best. We don't have to be the center of everything. We don't have to always be concerned with getting ours. We can just be a person among people. I like what Mr. Fillmore had to say that I referred to earlier in uh, in the revealing word. And it is uh, the context for that in the revealing word is his definition in talking about the three days where Jesus was in the tomb. Mm. So, of course, you know, he, Mr. Fillmore always assigning a deep meaning to everything we find in the scripture, including the three days that Jesus is um, in the tomb and the narrative. And he talked about how humility, and then he used this other word, non-resistance. And I found even in the dictionary definition of humility, um, or rather one of the synonyms is non-resistance. And I think that's a, because it, it's, it's not completely clear to me that those are the same thing. So I find it fascinating to think about how, you know, it, what does humility mean for me? Well, it means non-resistance. It, it is non-resistance is the practice of not responding to a fear that I may be carrying. Mm -hmm. And lack of humility is always driven by a fear. Like you were sharing, if, if I had uh, always had every need met at every step along the way in my life, then I probably would not have developed these fears that I'm still responding to. But that's not how the life experience is right. for people. I mean, if, if there yeah. is someone who has had that, I don't know who they are. <laughs> and so, but we can learn to not let those things control our lives. And yeah. so humility yeah. can look like non-resistance. I am not fighting those other ways of being. But we are coming to our midsection break. Hold that thought. It is time for a break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. So we hope that you please stay with us. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back, and we're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jelich. And we'll resume our discussion in just a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. You can message us from there, and each week we'll respond during the show to a listener question or a comment, so please let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were discussing vanity and that concern with looking good that can come to preoccupy us in recovery as well as in regular life. And then we moved into talking about humility and what what humility means to us, what it looks like. So now that we've discussed that vanity and we know that the solution or the antidote to that is that power of humility, Dan, how exactly do we use the power of humility to move into integrity, to be in integrity in our recovery? I want to first talk about integrity. What does that mean? The most meaningful way that I heard it described, the person didn't even use the word integrity. They just stated this, that I'm the same on the outside as I am on the inside. Mm, And I came to connect those things later and realize, oh, what that that's what integrity is. It means I'm the same from top to bottom. I'm not portraying myself one way on the outside and inside, you know, being otherwise. Or in in other words, I it's kind of the opposite of having ulterior motives. Yes. Right. It's like, oh, I'm I'm going to. I'm going to talk like this because I want that person to do that. You know, that's being out of integrity. But if I can show up on the outside just the same way that I am on the inside, then I am showing up in integrity. So how does humility help me move out of sort of that over-concern with self into, a, a, again, another kind of balance, balancing the inner and the outer? How does it help me move um, into integrity? Well, one way is that it helps me focus on what I'll call the real source of my trouble, which ironically is within, right? We talk about, well, how can I get over my obsession with myself? Well, part of the answer is you've got to turn within and see what's going on with you, which sounds like, isn't that another way of being obsessed with myself? No, because rather than acting out of that internal fear, and then trying to arrange the world around me in response to it. Instead, I am looking for the source of that fear. Yeah. Yes, that is an inward-facing thing to do, but the motivation is completely different. I'm not responding to the fear. In fact, it takes a lot of courage for us to be willing to look within ourselves and Absolutely. see what is going on here. What is what is my deal kind yeah. of thing? Because when I can begin to see it is exactly when the opportunity to heal it shows up as well. So one way that humility helps us move or help me move out of um, uh, obsession with self or vanity into integrity is the um, willingness to look within and recognize and basically say, you know, out loud and to myself, you know, the source of the trouble is right there in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. 
I really liked your definition of integrity. I have a somewhat less sophisticated way of saying that, and that's basically what you see is what you get. You know, that's what I say about myself. I'm pretty much like what you see is what you get. There's not, you know, a whole. I, I've, I was going to say I pride myself on not being. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that didn't work too well. Um, I Try pride this. I have on a friend. Being arrogant. I have a friend that says, in my humble yet highly respected opinion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that exactly. one. Exactly. But I do strive to be authentic. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, I, I strive for my outsides to match my insides. I strive for all of that to be in alignment and to have that consistency across the board, you know, to um, what I say what I say I believe and how I act should be as closely in alignment as possible. You know, and we say that about church as well. You know, we don't want to just go to church and spout a bunch of spiritual platitudes on Sunday. And then as soon as we walk out of there, our behavior is totally different. You know, we need to strive for that consistency and that integrity in everything that goes for, you know, church, it goes for recovery, all of those things. Um, put our money where our mouth is basically. I really like what you said about how the problem is within um, the motivation for that self-centeredness and that self-obsession is really not feeling okay inside. And so the work has to be done within. And it has been my experience that the more I have healed myself, um, healed what the source of the problem was internally, the more comfortable I've been and the less concerned I'd ha I've had to be about getting mine and being concerned about myself. So it's sort of like if you want to move from vanity to um, integrity, heal yourself, you know, work on healing yourself because as you as you get that humility, that spirit, I mean, I, I'm saying as you heal yourself, that humility um, becomes natural and that vanity falls away naturally to a certain extent because you're not being motivated by that internal pain that causes you to be so focused on yourself. So there's kind of a natural order of things. Um, you know, and you, you mentioned in the last segment about just being mindful. I mean, I'm not going to get humble overnight, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's, it's that mindfulness beginning to become aware. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's the first step in any kind of deep change or transformation is that awareness. When, when am I acting in a way that's prideful? When am I acting self-centered? When am I being vain? Um, and begin to become aware of that. And then it naturally begins to shift from that. I found I have found that, uh, and again, slowly over time, like you're saying, uh, be, being able to let go of that kind of fear-driven need to constantly be comparing, you know, it's this kind of like hyper vigilance to, am I above? Am I below? Am I okay? You know, yeah. do I fit in? I don't fit in. I'm smarter than these yeah. people. These people are smarter than me. You know, whatever it might be. But letting go of that slowly over time has been a huge relief. And as we we're saying yeah. uh, in the first half of the show, uh, it takes a tremendous amount of energy to mm -hmm. run around uh, fearfully comparing oneself to others all the time. And it's helped me slowly to move to a place where I can genuinely affirm, you know, not every moment of every day, but more and more, I can genu genuinely affirm that what 
And this is the title of a wonderful book, by the way. What you think of me is none of, my, none business. of my business. That's by <laughs> that's by Terry Cole Whitaker, hyphenated last name Cole Whitaker. That book by Terry Cole Whitaker, titled "What You Think of Me Is None of My Business," was a revolution for me. I heard I heard about it at a workshop I was at. I went and got it and read it, and it was one of those things where I felt like I was just nodding my head. The yeah. whole time. Now it's been ten years since I read it, um, so I, I'm not sure how it would sit now. But just that title, that concept. I mean, being able to do the inner work and work on the balance that we're talking about, so that I can. And, and I'll always say slowly and over time, you know, a little bit at a time, get closer and closer to where I can genuinely affirm that. It's like, you know what? I don't need to run around comparing myself to others because whatever the result that I might come up with uh, in that comparison is not relevant. I don't care anymore. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm fine. They're fine. You know, yeah. just kind of let it go. So that's a, that is a way that humility or pursuit of humility has helped me get out of that hyper-focus on self and into uh, a place where I can be the same on the outside as I am on the inside. What you think of me is none of my business. Yep. That's something that you've probably heard in recovery rooms, and if not, you will hear it. And I have to tell you, when I first heard that, I was like, excuse me? Like, it literally made no sense to me because, I don't know, somehow I was brought up in an, in an environment where, you know, I was to be very concerned about what others thought about me. Um, and I was supposed to always strive to be, you know, held in the highest regard possible, whether that was, you know, because of personal accolades or my education or my, um, you know, my achievements that's kind of how I was raised. And I think that that's a big part of the American culture. We're an achievement-based striving culture, you know? And so when I heard that, what other people think of me is none of my business. <laughs> you might as well have been speaking <laughs> French, honestly. I, that was just very, a very foreign concept to me. I think I understand quite a bit better now than I did then. You know, one thing that has come to mean to me also that that humility and how we, you know, start to live more from that place is it's another thing that I heard that didn't make a lot of sense at first that most people aren't even thinking about me at all. <laughs> Unbelievable. That was a revelation. You know, and part of that is just getting older. You know, I came into recovery in my 20s and the 20s are a very self-focused time, very self-conscious time when we think, you know, we walk into a room, we think everyone is looking at us and thinking about us and talking about us. Um, but I've come to learn that people have quite enough on their plate just thinking about themselves and their own issues and their own problems. And they most likely, you know, most of the time are not thinking about me. So that was a big revelation just to begin with, you know, that that, that was just my perspective, my internal self-consciousness. Um, people are really not that concerned with me at all. <laughs> you know, hopefully the people close to me care about me. But other than that, y'all just aren't that concerned about what's happening to me on a daily basis. You know, you're dealing with your own stuff. 
I'm thinking or reminded, you know, that you just kind of described codependence because I'm thinking <laughs> there probably are people that are hyper concerned about, you know, like if my okayness is dependent on your okayness, yeah. then I probably am spending too much time worrying about how are you doing? What's going on with you? Are you okay? I better make sure I better walk on eggshells. You know, don't want to upset you, all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right that we, many of us, whether we're, you know, on a recovery path or not, or even in need of an addiction recovery path or not, uh, run around occupied with self in that idea that, you know what, uh, I'm the one who's running around thinking about me all the time. <laughs> Nobody else is running around thinking about me all the time. Yeah. And, and in fact, I find that life is so much easier when I can, you know, realize that and then let go of all the implications of that and focus on showing up for others in service in some way, you know, not 24 seven, but as a balanced part of life, as a, as a central a uh, goal, if you will, of life is to think, you know, how can I, how can I show up in service of others with no expectation um, of gain for myself? And when I can do that, I have noticed, and we said this, you know, a couple other times in a couple different ways, that life is so much easier. Yeah. It's so much easier to live in a way where I am not hyper-focused on what's going on with me. I am capable of and practicing, you know, showing up in service for others and then just letting stuff be what it is. I don't need to compare. I don't need to be fearful that I'm not okay. I can just show up and be helpful and let that be enough right there. I'm not even thinking about, well, what did they think of my helpfulness? Did I, did I get a good score on the helpfulness scale in their point of view? I don't even, it does not matter. And again, back to that book title, what, what they think of the way I showed up in service is none of my business. It is none of my business. It does not matter. Did you use the word relief? I think you did when you talked about, yeah, uh, yeah. what a relief. So, um, you know, I have an adult disabled child and he's 20 now, but boy, I'll tell you, have he has been my teacher in so many ways. And when he came into my life, I mean, I, this happens probably to everyone when they have a child that that um, transition from single, you know, only caring about myself, maybe my partner to all of a sudden having this helpless creature that needs me 24 seven. That was a huge, you know, it is a huge transition for probably all of us. Um, but I also experienced this huge relief when I could now focus my energy on caring for someone else other than myself for the first time in my life. Cause I don't have siblings. I have a very small family and it was this relief. I thought, Oh man, motherhood is where it's at. Cause I am not thinking about myself anymore. It's all I can do to keep this little critter alive on the daily basis, you know? And that was just a huge relief for me. So he's been a wonderful teacher for me in that way. You know, another way that um, I try to stay in humility is to check my motives for things. You know, when I'm, when I'm, embarking on something or I'm doing something, what is my motive? Am I doing this truly to be of service? Am I doing it for the glory? Most of the time I'm probably doing it for the glory, at least a little bit, <laughs> at least a portion of it is because of that. But, um, you know, again, it's not that I'm going to 
fix myself and become completely humble, but it's that awareness that just being aware, okay, that there may be another motive going on here. Hopefully a large part of me is wanting to be of service. And I think that becomes more and more true um, the farther I get on my spiritual path. But um, just checking, checking my motivation for the various choices that I make and the various um, endeavors, you know, what am I, why am I doing this? What am I getting out of it? I guarantee you, if I'm doing it, there's a payoff somewhere, right? I'm getting something out of it. You know, I'm not this like Dalai Lama person, you know, I'm a regular person. So um, it's just helpful to keep checking that, being aware. Yeah, sometimes uh, I feel like I, I hope everyone noticed how humble I was right there. <laughs> <laughs> you we know our minds do that i'm sure that my mind has done that it's like True. dang I, i'm so much more humble now than just about everybody else i we should have a humility contest i totally kick everyone's butt i win you know, spirituality that, that's right that's right I'm, I'm way more spiritual than all these <laughs> other clowns you know yeah all that stuff because our mind is tricky um, I'm, I'm going to get all Bible on us for a second, just because there's a verse, a couple of verses that I really love. And and my minister in the first Unity Church I was in outside Asheville, it's Reverend Chad O'Shea, who has passed on to the next realm, huge influence on me, um, would quote often from the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, the joke at our church was we, we read the whole Bible as long as it's between Matthew 6 and Matthew 9. <laughs> and it, this is from... Uh, uh, 11, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. This is Jesus speaking, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have experienced exactly what that's saying, that lightness of being, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, learning from the master teacher, not not, you know, not taking on the doctrine of a religion that was constructed about Jesus, but rather practicing what appears to be the religion of Jesus, doing what has been the example from the way shower, following the way. You know, we refer yes. in unity to Jesus as our way shower and early Christians, and we see in the book of Acts, we're referred to as followers of the way. The way. And I'm telling you what, man, if, if I do what this says, yeah. then I experience what this says I yes. will experience. And yeah. that doesn't apply to just, you know, Christians or, I mean, I can be spiritual but not Christian. It doesn't matter. This is just a Christian expression right. of a spiritual truth that applies everywhere that Jesus knew through and through mm -hmm. and was in a thousand different ways trying to communicate and to teach. <laughs> if you can just, if you could see the way I saw, you would realize all, all is well. We are all children of a loving God, for example. And so that those verses from Matthew, I, I love because I know, excuse me, how true they are, because I have experienced them myself. Yeah. So you went there, so I'm going to go there too. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, you cannot have a conversation about humility without talking about the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. You know, and I remember we had this class on the Beatitudes once, and we basically, you know, we were trying to interpret each one, and we basically came down to the belief that pretty much every one of them is talking about 
in some way is talking about humility, about being um, meek of spirit, you know, poor in spirit, and what what that what was really meant by that. And I love how you said Jesus was trying to tell us in thousands of ways. And sometimes I picture him just going, oy vey, you know, how many different ways do I have to say this? He kind of did. Yeah, he kind of did. And, you know, just kind of slapping the disciples upside the head, you know. <laughs> but, um, the, you know, he tried to teach that in so many different ways. And, um, you know, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. What the heck does that mean, right? <laughs> The meek, the poor of spirit, you know, shall inherit the earth, turn the other cheek. I mean, it's all about humility. Um, you were talking about, you know, following, following Jesus's actual teachings versus following all of the dogma and doctrine that grew up around that, you know, um, in the, you know, first, second century, whatever. Um, we have enough to do just to follow any one of those instructions yeah. that's enough you know let's just stop right there take the first beatitude and chomp on that for the next year that will or give lifetime. you enough enough meat you know it's all right there in the sermon on the mount the the way which you talked about the way the way to live the way to freedom and happiness and joy um, as we say in recovery living happy joyous and free Jesus has laid it out. It's a simple plan. And it's not about declaring him as our savior or going to a certain church or any of that. It's about following these teachings, this way of living that he has laid down for us. And it's enough for us to work on for the rest of our lives. I agree. I'm thinking um, another aspect that comes to mind when I think about humility and I've and I've come back to my Enneagram again. So there's a couple I'm going to call these. Uh, so I'm an Enneagram number five, which is they call the observer or the scholar or whatever. And this here's an Enneagram five heresy. This is heresy for Enneagram fives. It's okay not to know how something works. <laughs> no, no, it's not. What are you talking about? My entire motivation is to know how something works. Yeah. And, an, and, a, and a corollary to that is... Um, it's okay to take action before determining what the likely outcome is going to be. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, it's yeah. not. It takes a certain amount of trust and again, humility, you know, f ability to focus on something other than my own fear about how things are going to turn out to, to step off that cliff, so to speak. But it is time for us to change gears and turn our attention to a question or a comment from our listeners. And here's a question that often comes up. In fact, you may have heard this yourself in, uh, in the rooms of recovery. It goes something like this. When I hear about humility, that sounds to me like humiliation. How can I get away from that really negative association? Well, I was going to say, because I'm cheeky today, if humility sounds like humiliation, you probably don't have it. <laughs> so even though these words humility and humiliation are very similar, in reality to me, I think they really mean something quite different, at least have come to mean something different in our you know, modern vernacular. 
humiliation seems to imply that you've been shamed or you've been embarrassed in some way. That's usually what we mean by humiliation. And humility, as we've been talking about for the past hour, is really something quite different. It's a, it's a genuine understanding that I am just one of the bunch, that I have no more value and no less value than anyone else. And for me, personally, that includes all living beings on the planet. I have no more value or no less value. We are all expressions of that one power and one presence. We are all expressions of God. Yes, and when I think about those two words, and I, I really like what, what you said, because it is a matter of pers perspective. You know, humility does not mean lower than. It means equal to. Yeah. But I believe that it's true that um, if I am all wrapped up in myself, if I'm if I'm basically the opposite of humble, which is arrogant, humility looks like subservience. Yes, from that place, exactly. and it absolutely is not. And and I won't know that until I find a way to to come into balance better. Yeah, and you know, it also occurred to me what we like to say in the rooms: more will be revealed. Humility will reveal itself to you in time. Yeah. It's part of the spiritual path. You know, it may not make sense at the beginning, but it begins to get clearer and clearer as we move along the spiritual path. So that's why we have steps and we say keep coming back keep and coming one back. day at a time because yep. all this stuff does unfold a piece at a time. I mean, we that's might right. have light bulb moments, but that's not what it's all about. And when you get as far down the path as the two brilliant of us, that's how you know, <laughs> because we are so humble. So to wrap up, we like to always give you an affirmation that you can say to yourself as we say it, that you can take with you throughout the week to remind yourself of these ideas. So today our affirmation is, my awareness of the spirit within allows me to give freely of myself with no expectation of reward. And I am grateful. I am grateful. Thank you. Well, we've come to the end of our time here together today, and we hope you found something that will help you on your recovery path. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion, and thank you to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. Listeners, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show 
by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.